This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to our acoustic version of the Star Spangled Banner here on KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stride in bright stars through the perilous fight oh the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets rained Oh! 
are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and again, I want to thank the Lord and the management of KLRN Radio this great opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Today I'm going to be sharing with you about uh, God as a spiritual rock of the Old Testament, but mainly about uh, Christ as a rock of our salvation. Christ, the living Word of God to us. Christ is our hope of glory. It says in Colossians 1 27, Christ in us, our hope of glory. Not Peter. Now, I'm not <laughs> trying to topple the Catholic Church or anything. But would that be like a flea trying to jump over an elephant or something? I just want to clear up the confusion which you might have about Jesus saying, or not, that he would build his church on Peter. There's a verse in Matthew chapter 16. I'll be reading more of it in a few minutes. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where Peter... 
Peter had just answered him a question and telling Jesus that, you know, uh, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said to him that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell's, hell shall not prevail against it. Now, he wasn't saying here that he was going to build his church on Peter, and that Peter was a rock that he was building it on. And, um, and you know, a lot of the churches back in the early years of Christianity and everything, uh, only a few of the people even had scriptures. And when the churches were formed and everything, um, they kind of set the churches up the way they wanted to, it seems like. And what I mean by that is that, you know, uh, you get back down in the 16, 1700s, 1800s, where people started translating the scriptures in to where we, the common people, would be able to read and see what the uh, scriptures actually said. Well, a lot of those people got killed, burned at the stake. You know, the the church leaders didn't want the common people to have the scriptures so that they could, you know, compare them. Uh, some churches even sold, you know, uh, salvation to people that was already dead. I mean, not sold to them, but to their relatives. Uh, if they had a dead relative and they wanted to, you know, maybe buy their way out of hell or something like that, they'd pay the church so much money and everything. And see, that's not in the scriptures. And, and uh, a lot of the big churches in those days, in the Middle Ages, didn't want the common people to actually know what was in the scriptures. Now, so uh, a lot of doctrines and beliefs have been established like that and carried on through the years. But uh, I want to show you first how important the expression is of being the rock of salvation is. Um, God was the spiritual rock of the Old Testament. Christ is our rock. Now, clear up this confusion. Peter was not the rock, or is not the rock of our salvation. Jesus was referring to the living spoken word of God, Christ, where he had spoken personally to Peter and taught Peter that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. Now that same personal revelation between each of us and God, Jesus goes on to say then that we must all be personally taught of God like Peter was. And that's what he was referring to there. And um, for us to come to salvation, God must teach us, you know, and bring us to him. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. I want to share with you about my website, and I'll be right back. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Welcome back. I'm going to start first in the Old Testament and share with you some scriptures about uh, you know, what the Old Testament people thought of God and uh, the expression, you know, that God was their rock. But this is what uh, Jesus was brought up in his lifetime, you know, of knowing the Old Testament and knowing what was said here and uh, how uh, this was used and everything. So let's start with it. And I'll start in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. 
It says, God is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth without iniquity, just and right is he. In verse uh, Deuteronomy 32, 15, But Jeshurun waxed fat. <laughs> now this is a little bit different kind of scripture here. Uh, Jeshurun waxed fat, kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. And I think there's a lot of people in our society today lighten the esteem, esteeming, you know, the not only the rock of our salvation, but just all of God's word and everything, you know, not taking it very seriously and just brushing it aside and everything. But then, uh, uh, now, the reason I'm going to be reading all these is because I could tell you that, you know, what the Old Testament word says and everything, but faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, not by hearing me. So I want to read you what it says in words so that if you hear this, you know, and receive what it's saying, you'll be receiving faith, you know, in your heart to these scriptures. Deuteronomy 32:18. Of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. See, again, talking to rebellious people. Deuteronomy 32, 31. For their rock is not as our rock, talking about, you know, the other societies and the other countries, you know, uh, the false gods they claimed and everything. It says, their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Quite often, uh, when the Philistines captured the, uh, well, the, uh, Well, I can't think of the word now. <laughs> but anyway, when the uh, Philistines were getting sick from having the uh, things of God that they had captured moving around in their cities, uh, they confessed that, you know, that their God wasn't like the God of Israel and everything. And that's what had happened several times throughout the scriptures. Uh, the other countries around Israel was confronted with that that they knew their God wasn't anything like um, the God of Israel. Their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being the judges. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, says, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. You know, they knew that their rock was the God of their salvation, the God of Israel was the God, and no other gods. In 2 Samuel 22, Verses 2 and 3, it says, And the Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, the God of my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. All these confessions of praise here and praising the Lord and calling him, He is my rock. Sound foundation is what they were saying. Second Samuel 22, um, 32. For who is God save the Lord? Who is a rock save our God? The Lord liveth, blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. And so just on and on confessions of 
of God's great strength and foundation of them, the importance of the rock to them. Second Samuel 23, verse 3. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Psalms 18.31 For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? You know, it's a question, you know, was asked, but knowing that, you know, there was no other rock save their God. And they knew that. Psalms 18.46 The Lord liveth, blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Now this is a expression, you know, this one you've heard in a lot of songs, possibly. Uh, also, in Ephesians 5, verses 19-20, it says that we should be speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. This would be a good verse here to sing. The Lord liveth, blessed be my rock, let the God of my salvation be exalted. Uh, uh, sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs back to the Lord. Counting your blessings, giving thanks always. Psalms 28 1. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down to the pit. And it just popped back in my head the Ark of the Covenant. When I was mentioning a while ago about how uh, these other nations uh, had confessed that. For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves uh, being judged. When the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant, uh, and they started getting sick, and they started moving around from city to city in the uh, Philistines' country and everything. And uh, everywhere the Ark of the Covenant went, the people would get sick. They finally decided that it must be the God of Israel that's causing this. So they got together and decided, we better send it back to them. And they recognized, you know, confessed that it was the God of Israel doing it and everything. Anyway, uh, my mind went blank up there a while ago, thinking of the Ark of the Covenant and couldn't come up with it. Anyway, Psalms 31, 1 through 3. And thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed or disappointed or something like that before others. Um, and thee, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thy ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock. For an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. See these confessions of the psalmist and the others in the scriptures here. Of how great God was in all areas of our life. and He's a rock. He's the foundation of our lives. Psalms 42.9, when it felt neglected. Uh, I will say to God, my rock, why hast thou forsaken me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And, you know, they were concerned about it in this particular case. Psalm 61.2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, here's a couple of verses that interesting Psalm 62 1 through the first two verses 1 and 2 truly my soul waiteth on God from him cometh my salvation he only is my rock and my salvation Then he says he is my defense 
I shall not be greatly moved. Now, he says he won't be greatly moved. As that's implying there that, you know, he might be moved some, but since God's his defense, he's not going to be greatly moved. But now listen to the following verses in Psalm 62, verses 6 and 7. God is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. See, it's in God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. See, he started out there in the first part of the chapter saying, uh, I shall not be greatly moved. Now, by the time he gets down to verse 6 and 7 and praising the Lord, you know, and you, you, you build up your confidence in the Lord. You, like I said, well, I go singing uh, spiritual songs and hymns and, and confessing your praise to God and everything like that. It starts building you up. And then by the time he gets to verse 6, he says, God is my defense. I shall not be moved. So he changed his confessing, confession. His confidence had grown as he was confessing and praising God. And, you know, the scripture says in Psalms uh, 22, 3 that, that God inhabits the praise of his people. So as David here started praising God and, you know, like this, his confidence and everything, you know, God in him, the, the, the spirit speaking through his mouth and everything like that, as he was confessing, making those positive confessions of God and everything, of how great God was and everything, his confidence grew. God was right there with him in his confessions. Now, Psalm 71, 1 through 3. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness, and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear to me, and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. How many times do you take in your time of trouble, in your time of need, scriptures like this, and confess them back to the Lord, and, you know, lift them up to him, and, you know, just speak them out yourself, you know, to, to hear them. Psalm seventy-eight, thirty-five. And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God their redeemer. So it just goes on and on through the Old Testament. You know, they're confessing that their rock is God. Probably half of the times that the word rock is even used in the Old Testament, uh, like, you know, Moses struck the rock, and God told him to, you know, one time strike the rock, and next time he told him to speak to the rock. And, you know, um, the word, and they stacked rocks in the Jordan River, one from each tribe, the 12 stones and everything, the rocks and things. So often the word rock was used in the Old Testament, but half the time almost that the word rock was used in the Old Testament it was talking about God. God was a rock of their salvation. God was a rock of their life and their foundation. Psalms 89:26. He shall cry to me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Psalms 92.15 To show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Psalms 94.22 But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. He's our defense. Uh, like I said in Psalms 34.7 The angel of the Lord uh, surrounds those that fear Him and delivers them. 
Psalms 95 1. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Now, you know, just uh, all through the Old Testament, using the term God is their rock. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Christ, the rock of our salvation. Christ in us, the living word. Uh, and again, Psalms 95 1. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And uh, like again, Ephesians 5, um, 17, 18, 19, 20. It says, Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's the will of the Lord. It said, Be not drunk of wine where it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always to the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for what he did for us to provide such a great salvation that we have, so much greater than what the people of the Old Testament had. And uh, Christ in Christ in us. And Isaiah 17, chapter 17, verse 10 says, Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation and hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength, therefore shall thou plant pleasant plants and shall set it with strange slips in, in planting them like this. Uh, I'm not particularly sure of what all that meaning is, but, you know, when we forget, when we neglect and, uh, and drift away from the Lord, you know, and we should be counting our blessings so much, so great. This time on earth is going to be so short compared to what we're going to have throughout eternity, Christ in us. And, and we're letting neighbors and we're letting people that we meet uh, go off into eternity like that without us ever sharing with them how great our God is, without, you know, what he's done for us and the blessings and everything in our lives. And it's good to live a good life, you know, and say, well, they'll know by my life. But there's a lot of people that live good lives that are going to go off into eternity of hell. And many people are even thinking that they're Christians are going to do that. And Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says, many are going to say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done these great, wonderful works and everything? cast out demons in thy name and things like this. See, they were speaking God's pure word and God backed up his word so they were able to see things happening in their life, but they had never received the spirit of Christ in their heart. And Romans 8 9 says, Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So just knowing about salvation and, and knowing, you know, that uh, it's available, what it is and everything, that that's not what, you know, the final answer is in Hebrews 4 2 it says for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the word preached unto them did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it so see we need to make sure that our loved ones and friends have a testimony of a changed heart because if a person has responded to the gospel like it says here in Hebrews 4 2 if they've mixed it with faith what that means is that they've heard the words, the living words of the gospel. God has taught them these living words. And uh, they then have received those words into their heart by asking God's forgiveness, inviting his spirit to come into their heart, and allowing him to create then in them a new heart, a new life. The end result then, the assurance of salvation, is for a person to know that they've received the changed heart. That old heart they had with the full of sin and everything like this, 
that that's been taken away that God has put his spirit of love in the person and you'll know that when it happens because see it, it's going to be you recognizing your sin God's going to teach you about your sin and you're going to be knowing that you have that you know all those lusts and just hate and things in your heart like this and you cry out to God then when he erases it like Ezekiel 36 26 says a new heart also will give you a new spirit will I put within you I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh give you heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you well see when he makes all those changes in you that's a work of grace in us when he comes into our heart to do that you'll certainly know it because see you just got through praying and asking him to come in and do it and you'll certainly know when he does it now so we need to be encouraging people about the changed heart to change life and Second um, Corinthians it says chapter 5 17 says if any man be in Christ he is a new creature behold all things old things have passed away all things have become new we are a new creature and it happens when Christ comes into our heart it doesn't just happen as you grow later yes we grow in our you know understanding of God we grow in our knowledge and as we are Christian but that transformation takes place like what is it um, Galatians 4 6 and because your sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying Abba father wherefore you no more a servant but a son and if a son then an heir of God through Christ so that takes place when you humble yourselves and invite him to come into your heart you are listening to klrn radio where liberty and reason still reign KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up.
You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome back. You know, the scriptures I shared the first few minutes all have the people of the Old Testament lifted up God and they, you know, uh, called him the rock of their salvation. It was very important to them, you know, this expression. Now, this is what Jesus raised up with, you know, in the teachings of the Old Testament, knowing just, you know, that God was a rock of people's salvation and everything. Also, you know, the disciples, the Apostle Paul, Paul was very smart in the scriptures. And so they were all faced with this. Now, but when Jesus mentioned to Peter, this is in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 to 20. And Jesus said to them, he turned to the disciples and he said, Whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter, you know, who was, you know, quite often, you know, the first one to respond to different things, uh, answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, so saying flesh and blood, you know, it hadn't even come in from me revealed it to you. He said, But my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged these disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus, the Christ. See, that wasn't his name at that time. He was the Christ, the coming Messiah, you know, the anointed one, everything, the Christ. Uh, but here, it appears like from the context, you know, and all of this being mixed together, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Uh, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, bound in heaven, whatsoever shall loose on earth, be loosed in heaven. That, you know, that, that Peter is just getting the anointing here from Jesus and everything. But also, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, the scriptures say, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. See, that wasn't just to Peter personally there. That's, that's to all of us. You know, if, if we bind in our heart, so often the scriptures say, uh, decide what you're going to do. Like Jesus taught, you know, go the extra mile. Well, don't wait till every time some soldier, you know, ask you, you know, to carry his goods, what you're going to do. Well, well, will I uh, carry his, you know, uh, armor and everything one mile this time or two miles? Am I in a hurry this time? Have I got to, you know, just maybe only carry it one mile or two miles? See, find in your heart what you're going to do. I'm going to carry every soldier's armor that asks me, Instead of one mile that I'm required to, I'm going to commit and I'm going to bind in my heart that I'm going to carry two miles. See, make that 
um, something in that you don't have to question every time something happens that you know how you're going to respond like scripture says pray for those that despitefully use you don't decide every time if you will or not if you're going to go and tell the boss you know that well they're lying about me and you know um, and try to fight and get your way about everything you know decide how you're going to respond when circumstances come up uh, when you hear somebody cussing or cursing something like that uh, are you going to say something you know uh, confess Jesus to them you know like that and in some way or another if you can you know commit in your heart and mind how you will respond to a lot of these different situations you see someone on the side of the road like in Luke chapter 10 about the uh, good Samaritan you know he loved and was so concerned that he stopped he stopped his busy schedule where the priest and the Levite went on by but he stopped and helped that man that needed help you know do you have that commitment you know to take time out concerned enough about people to to take the time with them when they uh, when you see their need or somebody ask you for prayer take the time pray with them you know don't just say you'll pray with them actually do it but see this charge is to all of us Matthew 18, 18, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And that's what he was saying up here, but not specifically to uh, Peter in a way that, you know, he was giving him the keys to the kingdom and the head of the church and everything like this. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was talking about the rock God speaking to Peter and teaching Peter in personal revelation that Jesus was the Christ. And that's the way we have to because in, uh, let's see, John 6.45, it says, And they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. See, so we all have to be taught of God like Peter was. That doesn't make us, you know, be the head of the church or something like that. And that wasn't what Jesus was saying to Peter. He was saying here because of his answer that he knew that his father had taught Peter. Again, uh, when uh, Jesus asked, Whom do men say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus answered him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal it, you see. It wasn't revealed by some person, but my Father which is in heaven. God had taught Peter personally that Jesus was the Christ. And that's the teaching that Jesus is talking about in John 6:45. It says, And they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. So as he's teaching us about Jesus, if we if we receive what Jesus what God is teaching us, we will then certainly come to Jesus and call out to him for salvation because that's what God wants to teach us as we're growing up uh, he's going to teach us that we're a sinner identify sin to us but if you re reject that you can't be saved because you're rejecting God's teaching and so you won't wind up going to Jesus for help or salvation because if you feel like that you don't have sins and you don't need it why would you so God's going to teach us we're a sinner. And then Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Now, it may not be that particular exact verse, but God's going to teach you in your life that you've got to come to him. You've got to turn to Jesus. You've got to call out to him because there's no other name in heaven given among men whereby we might be saved except through Jesus. Now, so as we call out to him then, his response to us, like I said a while ago, is what lets us know that we have actually then received his spirit in our heart because he creates in us that new heart and changes and everything. And that's what God had taught Peter here, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. Now, he didn't receive salvation when God taught him that, but see, he knew who Jesus was. And later on, he did. On the day of Pentecost, he received Christ, the Spirit of Christ, into his heart. But uh, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 1 Corinthians 10, 4 talking about the uh, rock of Christ. Christ is the living word of God and that is what we need to uh, be very concerned about when we think about Christ. Christ was in the Old Testament before Jesus came here on earth. Christ was in the Old Testament. It says here in the 1 Corinthians 10.4 Paul was talking about the people you know coming out of the promised land I mean coming out of the slavery going to the promised land it says and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them that rock was Christ now Christ is the living word of God God speaks Christ the living word goes forth and creates whatever it is that God has just spoken uh, spoke let there be light the living word Christ went forth and created light uh, when God you know speaks to us you know uh, like it says in what is it, Psalm 68 11 God sent his word great was the company of those that published it Psalms 107 20 says God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction when God sent his word he spoke his word Christ went forth and healed them from their destruction see so Christ and his word are one and the same it says in John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God as God spoke his word went forth and was the creating arm of God now Hebrews chapter 11 verses 24 to 28 it says by faith Moses now when you see the word faith always think somebody has heard God's word and they've positively received his word to their heart. Okay. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But it's not just that hearing in your head, like the scripture I read earlier, which said that uh, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. See, they didn't receive the words of the gospel the message of the gospel they, the word had been preached to them but they didn't receive it into their heart so it didn't profit them in fact once you've heard a true word like that you're worse off after you've heard it than you were before if you reject it because before you can be an ignorant unbelief if you hear God's word like the word of the gospel and reject it you're no longer in ignorant unbelief. You're in willful unbelief of an evil heart, like it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 
verses 12 through 19, where it says the children of Israel failed to enter in because of an evil heart of unbelief. See, they weren't ignorant about it. They all knew it was God's will to cross over Jordan into the promised land. But when you know something's God's will to teach that class or to work with those young people or, you know, to preach or whatever it is God's called you to do, and you turn from it and reject it, you know, you're worse off afterwards because once you've rejected God's word and uh, you've rejected the living God himself, you know, an evil heart of unbelief, you're giving Satan the advantage in your life. Like in the Second Corinthians 2, 10, 11 says, uh, forgive others lest you give Satan advantage. When you reject God's will or word for any of his instructions to you, personal instruction or general instructions like that to everybody to forgive lest you give Satan advantage, then you're opening the door then to all kind of things that the devil can bring into you, into your life. So you're giving him advantage, and that's how the devil gets control in this world. First John 5:19 says that uh, the devil's control this world, it says, and that's how he gets control. When people reject God's word, they're giving him control. See, he doesn't have the authority, but if he can deceive you into rejecting God's word, he's got control. So that's why it says that devils control this world because so many people are giving him that control by rejecting God's word. It says here, And they did drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ, God's living word, Christ to Moses and them. And what happened then was he um, created that, you know, uh, like, tornado of fire behind the children of Israel to protect them until they were able to cross over you know the Red Sea that parted and they were going through it that fire stayed there and kept the uh, Egyptians from being able to pass and to come by and do anything to them until they all got across the Red Sea it left so here's that's the spiritual rock is talked about here for they did drink of the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, in Hebrews 11.24, talking about Moses, by faith Moses. So Moses heard God speak to him, heard his word, and he received God's word positively and responded to it positively. See, by faith Moses, that means he heard God's word and responded. Now, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. See, he could have possibly, you know, become the next Pharaoh or something. But, you know, God wouldn't let that happen, maybe. But anyway, it depends on what God would allow. But anyway, here, Moses heard from God, responded, and refused to be called the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, rather, to suffer affliction with the people of God. See, they were out there, uh, his people, you know, the Jews were being, you know, persecuted. And they were in slavery there, everything. And he he refused to be called the Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the, you know, the Jewish people there. Whatever suffering might come about, he made that choice to, to let it be because he'd heard from God. Okay. Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. See, he esteemed that relationship with God, that God was speaking to him personally. And uh, the, the living word Christ, 
God personally to Moses. He esteemed that greater than all the wealth of Egypt. And, you know, that's uh, certainly the way each of us should be because, you know, what good does it do, Jesus says, you know, to, if you gain the whole world but tonight lose your soul. You know, the, the, the riches of this world or, you know, things like this of the world aren't going to matter when we stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. Okay, esteeming Moses, now esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches. Now, what does it mean, the reproach of Christ? Well, he had to stand up there and tell the Pharaoh's daughter, and he had to tell the Pharaoh and the others like that, that, that he wasn't going to continue living that sort of life, even though, you know, it would have been his to take. But he esteemed the reproach of Christ. They must have thought he was crazy saying that God was speaking to him and that, you know, that he was supposed to do this like this. And a lot of times when, when, when you say God's speaking to you, God spoke to me in this and this, uh, you know, how did he speak to you? you know, do you hear something? Did you, you know, what? You know, would there's so many ways in the Scripture how God spoke to his people and everything. I gave a message on that earlier, too, uh, the eight ways in the Scripture that, there's more than eight, but at least eight are the ways that God spoke to people in the scriptures, like dreams and visions. Cornelius, God gave him a vision, and in the vision, sent an angel to speak to him. God speaks to us, you know, in so many different ways like that. Uh, so many examples I could share with you like that. My buddy and I was flying back from Washington, D.C. one time, and uh, he was afraid of heights and everything, so he always sat next to the aisle seat. And um, I was in the back with him, and when I saw we was fixing to take off, and there were some empty seats up over the wing, and I like to sit there because when the plane rocks back and forth, it's smoother there. So I went up there and sat down and went to sleep. He stayed back there by himself. God sent an angel to him in the form of a friend that he had known before, came and sat down beside him and said, Don't be afraid, but look out the window. Harry looked out the window. He saw fuel coming out of the fuel tank, pouring out of the engine, or fuel tank, you know, behind the engine. So he called the stewardess, showed her, and she said, oh, that's just condensation. He said, no, you go get that pilot, or I'm going to go get him. He said, that is uh, fuel. And the uh, pilot came back, saw it, rushed up there and shut it off. And uh, we got, instead of circling 30, 40, 50 minutes to land, they took us straight into St. Louis, you know, the... At that time was TWA hub, and all the planes had to wait sometimes 30 minutes, an hour, or something like that to get in. We went straight in, sat down, and that night on the news, it had been determined that Flight 200 out of New York had uh, exploded in, uh, on its way to Europe because of a fuel leak at their tank. But anyway, so uh, that shook Harry up so much he said that he was never going to fly again. I said, well, just thank the Lord. Look what he did for us. He, he, he actually sent your friend, you know, an angel in the form of your friend, you know, like it, to, to tell you and identify that problem and protect us. God's with us, carrying us and protecting us wherever we go. He saw it right off that he said, if those planes have to have angels to get them up there, <laughs> I'm never getting in another one again. And he didn't. He, he refused to fly from then on. And uh, says, well, you interpret those things like that. Esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches when people tell you, are you crazy? Or, you know, how did God speak to you? And things like this. You know, uh, 
you got to be very careful how you respond like that, or you'll just get more ridicule or something. But he's st- Moses now, back to him. Moses is steaming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. See, he was looking down the line, you know, like that. He said, you know, <laughs> I, I may have a few things here in Egypt, but the respect of the reward down the line, Moses knew there's going to be a problem someday if he didn't make the choice of receiving God's word positively and responding to it. And and it just seems to me that so many people in our society are neglecting the most important decision of their life. And they're not respecting the recompense of the reward of the choices they're making because, you know, well, I hate to say this, but, you know, I've heard through the years it's going to be hell to pay. And that's right. If we don't accept Jesus and receive his forgiveness of our sins to pay for that, like the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, uh, wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If If we don't make the decision to receive that gift that he has for us, eternal life and everything, we're going to have to pay for our sins throughout eternity. They'll never be paid for and that suffering and everything. That's, that's hard to imagine, you know, how a person can go through that and how a person can neglect the concern of their salvation in this lifetime when it's so simple. But Moses did that. He said, Okay, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect to the recompense of reward by faith. See, God spoke to him. He accepted him. Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. So he even put that above fearing the wrath of the king because he knew God was going to take care of him. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. See, Moses had that close relationship with God there before he left that castle, I guess, or something like that in Egypt he endured as seeing him who is invisible that close to the Lord and that's what we need to seek for we need to seek for the presence of the Lord and God's presence is healing and God's presence is joy and God's presence is you know whatever you need John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 that same spirit of Christ that spoke to Moses that same spirit of Christ that was the rock that you know the spiritual rock that they followed out of Egypt everything is the Christ that lives in us. And John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, Christ, and the Word, Christ, was with God, and the Word, Christ, was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, Christ, and without Him, Christ, was not anything made that was made. Now see, every time it says that God's Word, you know, God spoke and did this and everything, that was Christ then. 1 Corinthians one twenty four, it says, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, the power of God, the creating power of God of the universe, is Christ, the living word of God. His spoken word goes forth, Christ, and creates. But his spoken word also is perfect wisdom. It says, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. See, we need to understand who Christ is. Christ now, when Jesus was here on earth, it was Christ in Jesus, the fullness of Christ in Jesus, 
But Jesus was a man Jesus. Now on the cross, right before he died, remember now he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was Christ that had left his heart. Jesus had never been separated from God before. Even from the conception, you know, in, in Mary's womb, the spirit of Christ was in the fetus of the, the baby growing there. See, Jesus had always been connected through the Spirit to his Father until Christ left his heart right before he died. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then Jesus, the man Jesus, is the one that died on the cross for our sins. He took our sins like the scapegoat took the sins of the Old Testament sacrifices. He took our sins, and see, we don't ever have to go through that separation again. Christ in my heart, I will never be separated from God throughout eternity from now on. I'm a child of God. His, Christ, his, his Spirit is in me. When I leave this physical life, I won't be separated from God for any period of time like Jesus was. Just Paul says, we just go in the Spirit to be with the Lord. And that's it. Christ took that separation, took that sin for us. We don't ever have to experience that sin of our separation of our heart from God again. Never. Once He comes in and we become a child of God, it's an eternal relationship. Yeah. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. In um, Psalms 104, verse 24, it says, O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. See, in wisdom, his pure word, Christ, Christ created all of the universe. Christ was a seed of God. Like it says in Galatians, it says, you know, and the Abraham and his seed were the promises made, not seeds as of many, but to Christ, Christ the living word, the seed of God that creates anything that's going to be created. It's a seed of God's word, Christ, that does that creation. Now, that's why Christ is the uh, foundation. He's the rock of our salvation because when his spirit, his seed came into our hearts, created in us in the new heart, the new life, we all come into the family of God with a perfectly clean heart, a new clean heart, a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's been cleaned by God. All those lusts and all those hates and everything and fears and things like it of the past are gone. We all start in the kingdom of God with a new clean heart created by Christ, a perfect heart. Christ in us, our hope of glory. Ezekiel 36, 26, where God says, A new heart also will give you, a new spirit will put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. See, that's the way we come into the family of God. In Galatians 4, 6, And because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, the spirit of his son is Christ, sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore you no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then heir of God through Christ. See, that is how Christ is the foundation, the rock of our salvation. Now, that's just Psalms 135, 6. To him, by wisdom, made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. See, so Christ uh, made the heavens by wisdom. Christ is the wisdom, the perfect, pure word of God, spoken word of God, created the heavens. Then in Proverbs 3.19, the Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. The Lord by wisdom, by Christ, 
First John, excuse me, First Corinthians one twenty four again. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Christ in the Old Testament, the Lord by wisdom, by Christ, the living word, has formed the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. Now, this is, you know, how we say that Christ is a rock, the foundation of of our life, the foundation of our being. Only on Christ, the living Word of God. Now, we each have to make a choice so to receive it, to receive it. I shouldn't have said it, I'm sorry. Should receive Christ into our heart, the living Word, because uh, if you reject, there's no other place to turn. There is no other salvation in the universe except for Christ, the living Word of God. Now, I say that so much over and over because 20-something years I was in church thinking I was a Christian. Uh, I, I didn't try to teach Sunday school classes. You know, I'd read a story in the book and then share that story with the students, and that was supposedly teaching the Sunday school class and everything. But as far as a personal relationship with the Lord, I didn't even have one myself. Just going to church and doing this and doing that. And when Christ came into my heart, the living Word of God came into my heart and created in me the new heart and new life, it, it it even scared me at first because you mean to tell me all those years I was that close to going off into eternity without Christ? Going off into eternity, a lake of fire. So many times I came so close to dying during those years. And that's exactly what would have happened to me. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And I wasn't intentionally rejecting the Lord then. But if I'd have died, I'd have sure gone off into hell. Hell. And um, I don't want any of you listening to be in that situation. Turn to him with all your heart. And he'll forgive your sins and come in creating you the new heart and life. I'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. 
There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome back. Now, let's take a look again at Matthew chapter 16, verses 17, 18, 19. And he said unto them, Whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ, in this particular case, the word, you know, Christ is used as the coming Messiah. You know, the they're, they were looking for, you know, Christ to come, the anointed one, to save them from like that. But now, also, when the word Christ is used, it's talking about the living word of God. So, you have to kind of as you read through the scriptures and it's talking about Christ, which are they, you know, talking about? Now here it says, Peter answered, said, Thou art the Christ. Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah that's coming, you know. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So that personal revelation of God directly to Peter had told Peter who Jesus was. Now that's a, a personal revelation that Jesus goes on to say later then that we all must receive. As I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So by God revealing to each of us personally that Jesus is our Savior, that Jesus, you know, uh, has made the payment and everything for our sins, and that we come to Him, you know, because of what Jesus has done for us, and we call out to Him for salvation through Jesus, you know, that binds us all together then into the body of Christ. We're all, let's see what Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 says by one spirit are we all baptized into the body and he doesn't go on to say it then but the body of Christ we're all baptized see that that joins us together as brothers and sisters in the Lord joint heirs with Jesus through Christ then our Savior and it says thou art Peter and upon this rock I'll build my church and gates of hell shall not prevail against it when we're united in, in beliefs and we're united in you know serving the Lord together and everything like that um, the gates of hell shall not prevail and I'll give thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven and, and there he's talking about his whole church and everything because it says in Matthew 18 18 that uh, whatever you bind on earth bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth be loose in heaven See, so he's given that to this, his, all of his children, all of the members of his church. Now, 
verse 19, the binding and losing. You know, like I said, it's given to all of us. Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood, he, he was even talking about himself, you know, had not revealed it to Peter that Jesus was the Christ. But now we're supposed to be go telling people about Jesus. See, we, we can't convince anybody that uh, God's real, that Jesus, you know, was uh, who he said he was, that he died on the cross. You have to seek God. We, we can say the words, but in working with God, as we're speaking and saying those words, God is speaking to the person's heart that we're talking to. Confirming what we're saying, if we're saying God's pure word, like in Proverbs 30, 5 and 6, says, Every word of God is pure, a shield and put their trust in. Add thou not to it, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. See, if we're sharing something different or we've added to or taken away from God's word, he won't be speaking to their heart, verifying and backing up what we're saying. But he will if we're sharing his pure word then. See, we'll be speaking to their ears and they'll be hearing it and then in their heart God will be speaking at their heart, confirming what we're saying to them. That's like in the Isaiah chapter 46 where it says God, you know, confirms the uh, words of his prophets, confirms the uh, messages of his prophets. Now God will only back up his pure word, but he will back up our testimonies, our testimonies we're sharing with people. It may not be, you know, what we'd call exactly God's word, but like in uh Revelation 12:11, and they overcame him, speaking of the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, what he's done, and by the word of their testimony. See, if we're sharing a true testimony of how uh, Christ has come into our heart and created us a new heart, a new life, and everything, even though that's not God's perfect written word in the scriptures anywhere, not God will confirm that word to them, the truth of that word. We need to be careful in how we share our testimonies, and that's why we each need to, you know. In a sense, study our salvation. Study what happened during that time and, you know, get it right that, you know, oh, what we did, you know, we saw ourselves as a sinner and we cried out to God and like this. And then what happened after that, that Christ came and lived in our heart, created us a new heart and changed our lives. What changes took place? And be honest about it, you know, like that. Uh, God will confirm that to people's heart as we're sharing to them, but we can't convince anybody. There's no sense in arguing about you know if God is real or you know if Jesus died on the cross and things like this. There's no way ever to receive that proof. But I believe it, and the reason I believe it is because God has backed up His personal promises to me in the Scriptures. That when I cried out to Him, He heard and answered. You know, different things like this. You know, in in fact, one of the biggest concerns I had when I became a child of God. Christian, after 20-something years of being in church, I was wondering, my goodness, you know, I must not have been in the right church. And then I started, you know, thinking about this, looking around, and how am I going to find the right church? Which one? Whatever. And then, uh, I don't, I don't real remember how God spoke to him. He says, don't worry so much about which one is right. Just make sure that you're right with me. You know, and that, that was kind of an interesting thing like that, is to, because 
you know, uh, you can run around and, and search and seek and all this stuff, study all these different religions and everything and know so much about the religions and be so smart. But look at the time you're wasting in doing that when all you have to do is try the personal promises. If if a book says it's a you know God's word, find out what the promises are in the book. You know if it says it's you know got a uh, you know of a different religion or something, they say their book you know is a, their holy book or something like this. What are the personal promises in that book that you can try and see? Well, see the Bible has a lot of personal promises. You try them, and God will back them up. I've shared with a lot of people you know just so. Uh, negative against God and uh, or negative against their even being a God I'd say have you ever heard of the game 20 questions you know 20 questions uh, used to be pretty popular I think anyway uh, with other people I know it was with my family and like that somebody would stand up and start acting out something and um, we were allowed to ask 20 questions and they had to answer honestly and we'd try to guess in what it was they were pantomiming or acting out and I tell him, I said, do that game with God. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, you shall seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. Start praying and acting like, okay, God, if you're real. Because, see, there's only two options. Either God is real or he's not, one of the two. Say, okay, Lord, if you're real. And then start talking to him and giving him opportunities to speak back to you like that in ways that you will recognize that it had to be God answering you, but nobody else could have answered you. Okay, God wants to reveal himself to people. Jesus' whole life here on earth was a ministry of signs. If you look at the last couple of verses in uh, the book of John, it says that Jesus did so many things that, you know, if the books were written of what he had done, he did so many um, miracles and so many, you know, signs for people to draw them to the Lord and everything that said probably couldn't holy uh, all the books it would take in the universe or on earth or whatever like this just he did so many things 14 times it says in the scriptures that he that all were healed these great crowds that came to him all the healed you start writing books on all those people that needed healing and what you know happened in their lives and everything like that just think of the thousands and thousands of books it take but anyway we can't prove to anybody that God is real we can't share with them in any way that, to know that God is real. But we can share with them ways that they can find out because, see, they've got to be personally taught by God, too. It's too great for us to be able to just go around and teach and, you know, say, you know, prove God to them. But when God, you know, starts answering them everything, they'll know that he's real because God says that, Jeremiah 29, 13, you shall seek me, find me when you search me with all your heart. He will respond to an honest heart that's seeking him. In Second um, Corinthians 3, 16, it says, When it, the heart of man, turns to the Lord, that veil of separation is lifted. That veil of separation is like the veil of separation between that person that's seeking God and God. And it's talking about the veil, referring to it like in the veil of the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament. Only one priest could go in one time a year. And there was a veil of separation there between God and mankind. And that priest had to go in, had to have his sins forgiven everything, or he'd be, you know, killed, or he would die there if he carried any sins in with him. 
before God. Now, so that veil of separation between God and man is lifted when a person will honestly seek Him. And that's a personal relationship that Jesus was talking about here. He's going to build this church on God teaching us personally that Jesus was His Son, that Christ, the living Word, is, you know, the solution to our problems. Because we call out to Jesus. He's a, with the Father now. In fact, it says that in the Hebrews chapter 1, the verse, first three verses, it says that Jesus is the upfront speaker now of the Trinity. We call out to Jesus. He responds by sending His living Word, Christ, into our heart. So now, if uh, a person rebels, though, if a person rebels in God's teaching, there's no way to receive salvation. Because for the wages of death sin, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, the gift of God... Uh, well, in Ephesians 2.8 it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. By accepting God's word that we're a sinner, and that Christ is the answer, Jesus is the answer for our sins. Then it says, uh, For by grace are you saved through faith. When we receive those words by faith into our heart, the words are living. They're alive. Jesus says, My words are spirit and they are life. So when we receive His Word, Spirit and life, into our heart, uh, those living words then create in us what we call the work of grace. Grace is the work of God's Spirit in our heart. And however you speak about Him, you know, Christ in our heart, Jesus in our heart, the Holy Spirit in our heart, God in our heart, you know, whatever, you know, like that. It is, is a work of the Spirit in our heart that we call grace. So for by grace, the work of God's Spirit in our heart, are we saved by faith, you know, through faith? Because we opened our heart and received him in. Now he's working and creating that work of grace. Now it calls it a gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Now in Ephesians 2.8 it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now, what is this? Why are they saying it's a gift? It's It's... Not something because of something we've done good or, you know, he's proud of us or something like this. It's not that kind of what we think of as a gift. You know, like you give a gift on, well, even birthdays or a gift for Christmas. Just you just giving a gift, surprising a person or something like that. No, that's not it. In, uh, let's see. In the Old Testament, if I can find that real quick here, in, uh, Let's see, in Job 33, Job 33, 27, it says here, talking about God and man, it says, God looked upon men, and if any say, I have sinned, see, confess their sin, and perverted that which is right. See, they've come to the point where they're confessing their sin, and they're making a confession then that, Whatever it was they were doing wasn't right. I have sinned and perverted that which was right, and it profited me not. And then they're confessing that they know they perverted what was right, and they know it hadn't profited them any. 
So God is looking on men, and if any say I have sinned, perverted that which is right, and he profit me not, God will deliver his soul from going to the pit, and his life shall see the light. Now in the Old Testament, under that covenant, they got forgiveness of sin. The person in this particular situation would get forgiveness of their sin, but their sins would be covered then for the rest of the time. Now what he's talking about here is that grace are you saved through faith not of yourselves it is the gift of God grace is a, called the gift of God because the people of Old Testament only receive forgiveness we receive forgiveness but also then we receive the cleansing we receive the cleansing of our sins we receive the new heart we receive His Spirit into us. See, the work of grace in us is so much greater after we ask forgiveness, like the people of the Old Testament, they didn't get all that. But they had to do the same thing we do just to get the forgiveness. You know, as far as, you know, calling out to God and confessing their condition and, and like this. See, they had to go through that by faith the same as we do. But there... In the Old Testament, they had to keep doing that over and over and offering sacrifices and everything. God erased all that for us. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Old Testament people only got forgiveness. They did the same thing we did as far as humbling themselves and calling out to the Lord. See? So that's why it's... The scripture says that it is a gift. It's not the kind of gift to where you, you know, just kind of surprise somebody with a gift or something like this. So many of the programs I hear on television and everything, it's almost like that. And In fact, uh, one of the men is on television almost every day around the world like this, uh, teaching on grace. He's written books and books on grace. And I mentioned this in one of my previous messages and everything. Uh, he's got a great book out supposedly on grace now. And, 15 to 20 of the top men and so many denominations around our country written how great it is and everything. But on page 10 of his book, he says, I have no tip whatsoever how you get grace. But it gets you and you get it. See, he doesn't, he didn't understand that grace is the automatic response of us when, to us, when we receive God's word positively into our heart because see his words alive and then his words work in our heart in the work of grace for whatever it is that God has spoken to us now if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness this cleansing takes place when we call out to him in humbleness and ask forgiveness of our sins please cleanse me of my heart uh, cleanse my heart I mean you know Put your spirit in me, creating me the new heart, the new life, and I commit my life to you. See, and as we're asking him to do that, then he responds by actually doing it. He comes into our heart, creates in us a new heart, a new life, cleanses. And that's why I said a gift, because the people of the Old Testament didn't get that. And we didn't really ask for, you know, uh, grace. When we were receiving God's word, we were just receiving what he told us and received into our heart 
but in comparison to an Old Testament person standing right beside us, it ended right there. When they prayed and got forgiveness, that was it. They walked off then, getting ready for the next sacrifice whenever it come due, you know, and so many months away and everything. We don't. He creates in us a new heart, and he cleanses our heart. We get forgiveness, and we get the new heart in addition, even though we did the same thing they did as far as turning to the Lord and calling out to him. So um, they say that it is a gift, grace being a gift, but it is the automatic response in our heart to us receiving God's word into our heart. We've got to humble ourselves to his word or we will never receive it into our heart and we'll never receive the work of grace that God wanted to produce in us when he spoke to us. So grace is the automatic response of God working in our heart when we invite him to come in. Now, so it's not just a gift that he gives some people, other people, you know, and just you have to wait and hope that he does. All you have to do is open your heart and receive his word and you'll receive the work of grace that his living word will create into you then because of that. Now, but if you rebel, there's no way to be saved and receive the spirit of Christ in your heart. Also, there's other verses that say it in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this peace with God here is talking about, you know, we're no more uh, like an animosity toward God, you know, a sinner before receiving Christ, you know, heart full of lust and all these things that are, you know, the devil is using in people's lives to cause them, you know, to resist God and to, you know, to not do the things of God and everything. It says, now we have peace in our heart. Therefore, being justified by faith, just as if we had never done those sins and everything, we're forgiven and everything because we've asked him to forgive us and he's come into our heart. It says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also, see, not only do we get that peace like the people of the Old Testament did and forgiveness of sin, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. See, we have access by faith, accepting God's word in us into grace because now those words become, you know, they're alive already, but they come alive in our heart. <coughs> Excuse me. And start performing the work of those words for salvation or to help us quit smoking or to help us quit drinking or to help us, you know, change our attitudes and things like this. That Whatever it is that God is speaking to us about, when we accept and receive his words into our heart, they're alive and they give us the strength then and help us. Like the Apostle Paul, you know, when he cried out three times, you know, to the Lord, he said, you know, uh, for these people that were tormenting or, you know, uh, the tribulations and everything he was going through, uh, Jesus told him, my grace is sufficient for thee. Jesus was telling him he was going to work a spirit in Paul's heart of love that, you know, that, that he would be able to, you know, take care or handle any situation they came to. And, and he was, you know, tormented very bad by the religious groups in those days. Uh, one time he was stoned and left for dead outside the city. He was stoned now. How many rocks would it take to hit a person 
till they'd be so lifeless that everybody would think they're dead. That's what happened to Paul. They had stoned him to where they thought he was dead, drug him outside, and left him. But it says in the next verse, the disciples stood around him, didn't say what they did. I'm sure they prayed, you know, but it doesn't say that. And then the next verse says, and the next morning Paul was up and on his way to another missionary trip to go preach and teach Christ Jesus and his love for people and mankind. Now, that was the work of the Spirit in Paul's heart that kept him going, even though he was stoned and left for dead that one time. Can you imagine? If, if somebody just threw one rock at me and hit me upside the head, I might be out of commission, you know, next three or four days, depending on how big the rock and where it hit and everything. And any of us like that. But he was hit with maybe hundreds of rocks, so many so that they thought he was dead. And the next day he was up and on his way again, teaching and preaching people about Christ Jesus. That's something, you know, and uh, his thorn in the flesh, you know, the persecutors and everything. If you look throughout the Old Testament, every time the word thorn in the flesh, thorn in the eyes, a prick in the side, and things like this, every time that type of expression was used, it was used about people persecuting someone. You know, the countries nearby persecuting Israel and things like this. So uh, Paul was crying out for to be relieved of it. You know, those thorns in the flesh, those people persecuting him. And God and Jesus says, no, I'll give you a love for him. Be so strong, it'll carry you through the persecution. And that's what he did. <coughs> Let's see. And again, by whom also we have access by faith, our acceptance of God's word, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So grace is always the automatic response of God's Spirit in our heart of the words that He speaks to us that we then receive by faith into our heart. So faith and grace go hand in hand. Grace is just an extension of our acceptance and obedience of God's Word into our heart. And then the words then perform what we call the work of grace. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. 
If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Uh, real quick review today. Christ the rock in us, in our hearts. Now Jesus was telling Peter when he told him, Blessed are the by Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed in thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That he had that personal revelation of who Jesus was. And that's a personal revelation each of us, Jesus says, will have to receive. Um, he, didn't, he wasn't saying that he was going to build his church on Peter. But his church was going to be built by his Father teaching those that would desire to come to him for salvation. John 6.45, again says that we must all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. If we accept and receive positively what God is teaching, we'll, we'll go to Jesus. Because that's the only place to go for salvation. And then Jesus says in John 6.39, This is the Father's will which has sent me, that all which he has given me, or all of us that come to him, through his father's teaching like that, that all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. He's saying he's not going to lose any of us. See, he's created in us a new heart. Only Christ can create a heart. Only Christ could uncreate our heart. And there's no scripture in the Bible anywhere that says he's going to take one of his children and uncreate their heart and put them back there, you know, where they were before. See, it's, it's irreversible. It's eternal life we receive at salvation. Eternally. 1974, I received eternal life, and I've started in it, you know, and then will be in my eternal life forever. There is no way to become not a child of God again. Now, you might commit a lot of acts of sin. You might do some you know, terrible things, but you're still a child of God. In First uh, Corinthians three fifteen says, "When we, or, well, I tell you what, let me read it here instead of just telling you what's in it. Uh, the word is what brings the faith." Let's see, First Corinthians three. Okay, eleven through sixteen. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ, or Christ in us, our foundation, our rock that we've been looking at. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, 
Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Only those works of faith will stand, because everything not of faith is sin, and unforgiven sin is, go is the only thing that's going to be there to count against us, because the sins that are forgiven, the Lord's promised over and over, He'll forgive and forget. He'll never remember them again. So those things that we've done that we're forgiven for and everything, they will not be there for us to have to answer again for. Because we've already talked to him about him, we've asked forgiveness, he's forgiven us and forgotten him. Now, anything that'll be there will have to be something that we haven't taken care of. Like if you hold unforgiveness. If, if you've got a relative or a friend or somebody dying now and you talk to them, make sure they don't have any unforgiveness to anyone in their hearts. Make sure their heart's right. Because they can take care of it there on their hospital bed. They don't have to wait till they get there and answer to the judgment seat of Christ. Okay. So, here it says, Every man's work be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. You know, that's the uh, gold, silver, and precious stones, and great things, you know. You shall receive a reward. And that's most, mostly what you hear about preachers teaching about us receiving our rewards and everything. But listen to this next verse. If any man's works shall be burned. Now, if he's just got wood, hay, and stubble. You know, you've never visited hospitals. You've never talked to anybody about the Lord. You've never, you know, uh, uh, shared your testimony of salvation to people and things like this. You'd still be a Christian. But, you know, uh, there's going to be an answer there. In fact, in the what is it? Second, Second Timothy one. Second Timothy one nine. It says he saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace created in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, if you haven't been seeking God's holy calling, that if you know the salvation He's given us, saving us, forgiving us of our sins, give us eternal life. If that doesn't mean enough to you to seek his holy calling and what he would like for us to do. One of the first things Paul said when Jesus struck him down on the road, you know, he'd been, well, Saul then, he'd been out killing people, killing Christians and trying to stamp out what he called, thought was a cult. Jesus says, it's uh, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he answered back and said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. And one of the first things Paul said was, what would you have me do? See, we should be appreciative so much of what the Lord's done for us. If you've recognized that changed heart in your life, if you've recognized, you know, the, the the Spirit of God living in you where it used to be hate and lust and everything like that, and your appreciation should be, Lord, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You know, your heart doesn't change back to where you're lost and go to hell. But if if you aren't serving the Lord, if you aren't, you know, uh, doing what you can to help others, you know, receive Christ, their personal Lord and Savior, there's things we're going to answer for. It doesn't say here how we're going to answer. We'll get there, but we're going to have to do some answering. And, and that's, you know, I can't imagine what it might be because, you know, the... Uh, 
but that's what the scripture says. So we're going to have to answer for it. I think the Lord just revealed to me a Psalms 116, I think, uh, is a verse in. If that's the correct one here, let's see, Psalms 116. Yeah, it is. Psalms 116, verses 12 through 15. Listen to this. As a child of God who's received the changed heart, his love in our heart instead of hate and all these things, listen to what the psalmist says here. And they didn't even receive the changed heart. They didn't receive all this stuff that we do. <coughs> but they respected their relationship with God and the personal way of him talking to them and you know, taking care of them and, and things like this. But listen to what the psalmist says here. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Now, like Ephesians 5, 19, 20 says, Speaking to yourselves, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Count your blessings, praising Him and everything. But here, what shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits toward me? I'll take the cup of salvation. The first thing the psalmist thinks about salvation. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of His people. What vows did we make when we surrendered our heart and life to the Lord? Supposedly surrendering our heart to the Lord should be for His service, you know, for participation with Him, and you know, uh, being a part of the family of God, to, to try to reach out and be His testimony to others. Even in the Old Testament, the Jews were supposed to have been God's priest on earth to the world. Well, we're supposed to be His priests now, but in Psalm 67, David says, God be merciful and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving health among all the nations. Let the people praise thee. God let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth, you know, be blessed and all the ends of the earth shall, you know, know you. And I messed that up right there at the end of it. But Psalm 67 It says, let the people praise you, O God, let all the people praise you. Then shall the earth yield her increase. See, the earth is going to change because of, you know, us praising the Lord and, and doing what he wants us to do. The earth shall yield its increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. And then, hopefully, some of them will come to know his love and his presence. But, uh, see... We're going to have things that we have to answer for, for failing to serve the Lord. For failing to, you know, uh, uh, being receptive and open to, like an obedient child. And uh, if you're listening, I don't want you to wind up in that situation. That's why I'm here, you know, because uh, all those years of thinking I was a Christian and found out I wasn't, well, all those years I could have gone to hell and everything. And, um, and I don't remember any message back through there that ever caused me to fear or to be concerned about my salvation. Now, my service, it bothered me sometimes. You know, I thought, well, you know, the Lord's calling me to, you know, uh, serve or something like this. I don't have to be a preacher to be a Christian. And so, I, you know, uh, I wouldn't go forward some. But now I see that God was just asking me to surrender my life to Him, which I had never done at age nine. At age nine, I just, you know, they told me what the preacher was going to ask and what I'd say to him and answer, and I, I passed the test and told 
preacher, I love the Lord, won't get baptized and all this, and, and that's all there was to it. But it wasn't between me and God, you know. It wasn't. I didn't see myself as a sinner and ask forgiveness of my sin and, you know, commit my life to him and everything. I'd never made any kind of dedication of my life to the Lord. And that's what was missing. But Jesus says, though, in John 6, 39, and this is Father's will that sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. He's not going to lose anybody. But we're going to have to answer for our lack of service. We're going to answer for our um, disobedient life and things like that to the Lord. And a lot of people are answering now for the disobedience because Second Corinthians 2, 10, 11 says, Forgive others lest you give Satan advantage. Your disobedience in not asking God to help you forgive somebody is causing the devil to have advantage in your life, the open door to him having advantage, and he brings in sicknesses and curses. There's people all across our country in hospital beds today because of unforgiveness in their heart. Getting that corrected would start them on healing and, and getting back in the right fellowship with God. Now, there's other things. You know, uh, husbands dwell your wives according to knowledge, lest your prayers be hindered, as First Peter 3, 7. You know, relationships between husbands, wives, and children, and, you know, uh, family and friends. Pray for those that despitefully use you. But if you argue back and fight, you're taking it in your hands. You're giving Satan advantage because he knows how to fight better than you do if you're out of God's will. Things like this, you know, the, uh, so many Christians are suffering today uh, for these works that we're still going to have to answer for if they're unforgiven when we stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. Anyway, he's got such a great salvation for us and everything. Uh, when you think about, you know, uh, Christ in us, when, when he initially comes into us, we ask God to forgive us, invite his spirit to come into our heart, and then whatever the spirit does in us to change our heart, to, you know, give us a pure, clean heart, like Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart also will give you, a new spirit will put in you. Take away the stony heart and give you heart of place, and I'll put my spirit in you. Whatever it does, or whatever it takes through the spirit to perform that, is what we call the work of grace. Or like if, you know, like I said well ago, you know, I, I was smoking when I became a Christian, and uh, for God speaking to me and, you know, telling me that my testimony was being hurt because I'd telling people, I got a great God now that'll do this and do this, and I have to smoke a cigarette to calm my nerves, it was being a false testimony. And as God spoke that to me then, I had to receive his words into my heart. It didn't make it easy because I knew it was his word. I still had to struggle, but with his spirit in my heart, it gave me the strength to do that. Okay? So Christ in us, as we walk with him, we grow, you know, with more of his word in us. And then he, he molds us and makes us in, into the person he wants us to be in that holy calling he has for us. But now let me read you some of these scriptures here where the disciples have kind of described this transformation and, and what the work of grace does when he comes into our heart. And you can see then that it's so magnificent, so great, that it's what's happened to us. Becoming a child of God, you know, and and join air with Jesus, all of God's promises and things like this. But but listen to some of these at what it took to get us there. In James chapter one verse twenty one it says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. 
Yeah. yeah. And grafting. You know, we think of, you know, like a, to grow together, you know, like take a limb off of one tree and, and we put it over and prepare the limb and uh, where it's going to go and, and put that limb in there and, you know, uh, strap it on or somewhere or another like that and let it grow together. Um, atoms infused together to become one. And now the old tree, you know, or the tree that's, you know, uh, it's being grafted into provides the uh, food or sustenance or whatever it is for that new limb that's there. That new limb now gets gets all its nourishment and everything from an entirely new tree. And we get our nourishment from Christ. We get our nourishment from God now in our heart. Uh, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, his words to us, you know, or the sustenance for our uh, new life. Now, these these atoms in these trees that form together, the old vine or the old tree then provides the nourishment for the limb that's being engrafted in. The new limb is totally dependent now upon that new tree or new life. We're totally dependent now on Christ. Christ is our vine. He's our life. He says so many times in the scriptures. But that's what James is talking about here, about engrafting word, the living word of God in us, engrafting us into the family of God. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, seeds, you know, but of incorruptible. Our corruptible seed was from our earthly father, but now the perfect, pure seed of God, which is Christ, and says in Galatians chapter 3, to Abraham he said, and to seeds not as, to seed not as many, but to his seed which is Christ, the living word, the pure word, the pure seed, by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. And then, then again in Galatians three sixteen, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, not to seeds as of many, but to thy seed which is Christ, the incorruptible word of God. In John chapter 3, Jesus expressed it in a different way. He says, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. We're born of the Spirit into the body of Christ. That new spirit he puts in us when that new heart. He said, unless a person is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that born of spirit is spirit. And without that spirit, Romans 8 9 says, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. See, we're all God's creatures born here on earth, but we become his children when his Spirit, his seed, then comes into us, a living word, and creates in us a new heart and a new life. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 19, says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, or Christ be in us, either way you want to say it, Christ in us, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, as far as the creature part and everything like that, but the one thing I wish maybe God would did a little bit more on me with is my mind, because, you know, like the Apostle Paul, he had killed people and done a lot of things, and, and he taught a lot of mind control, you know, on those lonely trips of his. He must have had a lot of, you know, sitting around a campfire, you know, remorse for, and thinking back, and he had to control his mind to keep from that. He says that putting all things past and looking forward to the and in Romans chapter 12 too it says be not conformed will be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then uh, in 2 Corinthians 10 it says submitting every thought to the obedience of Christ he, he must have had to do a lot of that well you know uh, I have too so 
it, it's, it's hard, you know, to put aside those things of the past like that. All things are of God, which have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. See, that's, he, he blesses us in the sinful, centered things that we were in the past and all those bad things we've done. He cleans us up, forgives us, and actually puts us then out as his witnesses. Uh, it says here, reconciled us to himself by Jesus and given us a ministry of reconciliation to help others. With God was in Christ, reconciling the world himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, has reconciled, reconciling to himself, not reckoning to them the trespasses against them, and placing us in the word of reconciliation. That is, he's placed that word in us to share with others, that they too might receive that fantastic change into the body of Christ. It, it's it's almost like a cucumber and a pickle. You know, you, you pickle a cucumber and it still looks kind of like a cucumber, but inside that pickle has been changed throughout. You, you'd have trouble trying to change that pickle back to a cucumber and, and get all of that vinegar and things like that out. See, it's almost irreversible there. And that's the way it is with us. It is irreversible because when he creates in us a new heart, a new life, there is no provision to uncreate us or to, you know, take it away. We might be disobedient children. We're going to have to answer for it. I don't know how all that's going to happen. But I don't want to have to answer for uh, as much as I can keep from answering for. I don't know. Or like caterpillar to a butterfly. Become such a beautiful creature. Now, most of us, you know, when we receive Christ in our looks and everything, didn't become like a beautiful creature like the uh, butterfly does from a caterpillar. But yet inside we become a beautiful creature, as, as beautiful as it can be when we receive Christ in our heart and salvation. Now, and some of us then, we start letting things creep back in and, and you know, it, it hurts our image and things like this and everything. But uh, it's Christ in us, our hope of glory. The, Jesus wasn't talking to Peter that he was going to make Peter the head of the church or the first pope or anything like that. He was just saying that God has personally revealed to him that Jesus was, you know, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that same personal revelation that Peter received to let him know that Jesus was the Son of God is the same personal revelation people all across our society. That's why it's so terrible to hear people uh, run down Christianity. Uh, it, didn't, it wasn't that way back in the 50s and 60s. People seemed to have respect and they didn't talk against and say all those negative things and that's good. But see, they're running down uh, Christianity, running down Christ, running down Jesus and they're going to have to, you might say, eat those words or you'll humble himself to ever come to salvation. And that's going to be so sad because in, in so many people's pride, they wouldn't do that. I, sadly, I had a loved one about a couple of months ago and everything like that. One of the last two or three times I talked to him, but uh, he was just sitting there and just waved his arm at me and said, oh, I don't believe in God, something like that. You know, don't, I don't want to talk about that. Or and, and he just it like broke my heart. And he's died since then. And I know a person can, you know, have a deathbed 
experience and everything like that, but with his attitude, the way it was and everything, I just hope somehow or another he, and he didn't die so suddenly. So I just hope somehow or another in those last couple of days that maybe he called out to the Lord, but you know, that's all that's left. If you have any loved ones today that are close to dying or something like this, at least discuss with them about getting their hearts, you know, uh, cleaned out as far as forgiving other people. Uh, try not to let them die with any unforgiveness. And as, see, as you're doing that then, and, and they're getting their sins forgiven like that and getting cleaned up, um, you'll see a change in them there. And, and I know you will because as, as anybody opens their heart to the Lord, you'll see changes. And um, some have been very miraculous just by sharing with people, you know, to... You know, not to criticize them and say, you know, you got to get your heart right and got to do this and everything like that, but just explain to them that, you know, uh, we don't want to go off into eternity with unforgiven sins. So start discussing things like, you know, uh, unforgiveness or hate for someone or, or things like this back in the past. Make sure that you've got that forgiven. And you'll be surprised at, at some of the miraculous changes you'll see when you start sharing it with people. And if any of you are listening right now that would like to receive this, you know, changed heart, changed life, it just come from a simple prayer of like, God, please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my sins. I want to turn from my sins. Surrender my heart and life to you and invite you to your spirit, Christ, to come into my heart and create in me the new, clean heart and to live in my heart. In your name, Jesus, I ask. Amen. You know, just an honest prayer. It doesn't have to be, you know, those exact words or anything. In Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, again, when the heart of man turns to the Lord, the veil of separation, the veil of separation between God and the person's heart is removed. So just a crying out to God for help and for salvation, and you'll see what uh, Jesus was talking about when he said to Peter, you know, um, for flesh and blood hadn't revealed to you, but my Father wished in heaven. That change that will be created in your heart and life will be so great, I hope you'll never want to, you know, uh, let it sit idle. That is, a couple of times the Apostle Paul speaks in the Scriptures about that we've received the grace of God in vain. And what he means by that is that you aren't doing anything with it. You know, you, you've received such a great, great work of spirit in your heart, but that needs to be shared with others. In uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, it says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. He that is wise winneth souls. So seek wisdom. Seek to be wise. Seek to have some of those trees of life in your path or in your following or something like that, that um, you can turn and see that person is going to heaven because of things I shared with him, you know, like that, things I shared with her, encouragement I gave her and everything like that. That's a, that's a great feeling to know that someone's life has been so influenced by something so simple that you can share and do. And you know, as Christians, we have a new heart from God and the Spirit of Christ, God's power in us. God is love. And his spirit is in our hearts. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love, God, casts out fear, because fear is torment. 
He that feareth is not made perfect in love or God yet. So in James 4, 7, the scripture says, Submit therefore to God, or his spirit in you. Resist the devil, fear, and he, the devil in fear, will flee from you. When you start getting apprehensive about something, like starting to fly or a storm coming, looking ahead at what might happen to you in your job, your health, don't just worry and think about these future events or maybe something that you're even going through right now. Philippians 4, 6 says, when you start getting anxious, turn to God then by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Your request and your concern to be known to God. Worrying won't help you one bit, but it will cause you to miss God's blessings to you during that time. So, choose, make the choice yourself to set yourself in submission to God in prayer, talking to God, and counting your blessings from past things, experiences with God. Then watch the devil and fear flee from you. Now, always let your anxiety be a red flag to remind you to pray. God loves you. He will hear you. And in First Colossians one twenty-seven, Christ in us, our hope of glory. So have a good day. God bless you. And be set free. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern. And on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. 
Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books.